0: All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Retick Lounge. I'm Nathan Katz. We have Lucas Bagnara, your other host here with us. Uh, I just got back from uh, the Reptilian Nation Expo here in Salt Lake City today. Got to see. Yeah, it a good show? Yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit bigger than last time for sure. Um, I actually spent the day across the hall over at the Oddities and uh, Curiosities Expo and just caught the Reptile Expo for the last hour just to, you know, Almost like in a pre Arlington kickoff, seeing some faces that I may see there and, you know, saying hi to some local friends.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. I wish that, you know, I mean, well, I don't want to say I wish I was just, you know, I think last month or the month before there was a span of a a few weekends where I was going to some shows here in San Antonio and it's actually nice. I I haven't really connected a lot with the community in San Antonio and I definitely want to start doing that more because I, I was talking to some people and, um, I was kind of being approached and they're like, Hey, you breed super dwarves. And I was like, yeah, I do. And there's, there San Antonio doesn't have a lot of, uh, uh, retic people in general. Um, and so I definitely kind of want to dive in a little bit more to the local scene, but, um, you, you mentioned Arlington and I kind of want to just give our viewers a little heads up of what's going to be happening at Arlington. Nathan, if you want to share.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Lucas and I have been talking for years. We've been friends for years before the podcast even started Uh, But after a year of this show running, we're finally going to do a live episode out at NARBC Arlington. We're not sure the specifics of uh, when and where it's all going to be recorded, but uh, you guys will come along for the ride with us, you know, be able to ask questions, that kind of thing. But I'm excited. Arlington's one of my favorite shows, like just really good people there. Really good hang. Um, It holds a special place in my heart because that was my first NARBC.
1: Yeah, mine too. And uh it's a great show time and time again. Um you know, going to bills is always great. He's a great host. You get to see a world-class collection of green tree pythons and then you get to the show and there's a bunch of big retic people, a bunch of big ball python people and uh yeah, so we're we're going to be doing our best to try to do the episode live at the actual show and have people come on as we do that. We need to find a booth who actually paid for the Wi-Fi or if we can pay for the Wi-Fi, that would be um great so that's going to be the very first option if not then we're probably going to do it at the place that we're staying phil thompson um shout out to phil for being a great host at Arlington's. before nathan i'm excited that you get to go and see his collection and get to see one of your hatchlings that My you actually sold golden
0: him. child girl that is i i actually sent a you picture messed up of her to someone earlier today because of you know just perfect gold job Uh, But I just want to give a quick shout out to Bill Stiegel because uh, during that first uh, Arlington NARBC, it was like months after I hatched my first super dwarf clutch. Um, He had seen it and I had no idea I was on his radar at all and, you know, came up to me while I was at the bar and just congratulated me on my clutch and was just really kind to me. So. It, it it was really impactful for me uh at the time as a new breeder so it was it was just really cool so thanks bill
1: yeah bill's one of those guys that you know he is known by everybody not like like not in just like green tree pythons and chondros but like he is known across and like it, and it's crazy because he kind of like stays behind the scenes and he posts his pictures and stuff but like he, he's not always out there being flashy and uh yeah stand up dude and i'm excited to to get to hang out have some wine with him but um
0: how how, he doesn't need to try to be flashy when he has those crazy clutches i mean i can right they do it for him (sighs) they're insane
1: Yeah. yeah um and i'm picking up my first green tree python there that weekend so i'm excited whether you're just getting into retics or you've been breeding for years the first place you want to visit is stewart design more and more breeders keep showing up at shows on morph market and are all over social media sometimes it may feel possible to get anyone's attention Stewart Designs helps small businesses like yours do big things through brand clarity, helping entrepreneurs to start and scale businesses that are easy to know and love. Their work can help any company or industry, but they've done a ton of work for ours. Stewart Design created the brands for U.S. Ark, Canova, Reach Out Reptiles, Coiled, and dozens of other well-known reptile breeders. Like many of us, the owner of Stewart Design, Blake, is a keeper and breeder who fell in love with Retix through first working with Garrett Hartle. Although Stewart Design does a lot of corporate work, Blake has a passion for working with people in the reptile industry. Stewart Design can help if you're just getting started or you're ready to take things to the next level. You're struggling to stand out and build your presence online or at shows. You don't want to be like the other guys or get lost in the crowd. And you want to make your own way doing what you love. And also you have big ideas and know your business is special but you need help sharing it with the reptile community. If something here resonates with you, reach out to Blake and have a conversation. To learn more or get started, visit StuartDesignBrands.com or call them at 855-SD-LOGOS. Clear brands own markets. Stuart Design helps create them. If you are in the market for an enclosure for your reticulated python or any other one of your reptiles, Focus FocusCute Habitats is your one-stop shop for not only the best looking cages on the market, but also provide amazing features and add-ons to your cages. We partnered with Focus FocusCute Habitats because they continue to innovate and change the way we house our animals unlike any other caging company out there. Their cages are designed intelligently and provide the most stylish and secure housing for your animal's comfort and well-being. Visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for your animal's caging needs. Again, visit FocusCubedHabitats.com for some amazing and stylish enclosures.
0: We also want to thank VivTech Products for being an affiliate sponsor of the Retick Lounge. Stop by VivTech Products for the best UV spectrum lighting on the market that will enhance and improve your snake's overall well-being and health. Visit vivtechproducts.com and use the code reticlounge23 today for 15% off. Again, visit vivtechproducts.com and use our affiliate code reticlounge23 today for 15% off. Looking for the perfect accessories for your hatchlings or juvenile retics? Look no further than Guy Serpents. Our sponsor, Chris Sexton, is coming in hot with an amazing 3D printer, creating top-notch perches and other caging accessories for your beloved pets. Enrich your Retix environment with their high-quality products. Use our promo code TRL10 for a 10% discount on your purchase. Visit them today at heliguyserpents.com and start giving your pets the best. Heliguyserpents, the premier source for 3D-printed caging accessories. Again, that's www dot heli and use our promo code trl 10 for 10 percent off all of your 3d printed accessories today
1: so episode 59 um we're gonna kind of jump in this is not like a a uplifting type of episode we're gonna treat this like a real podcast lucas and just talk yeah we're just we're talking we're we're going (laughs) through it we got no list no script um and uh, it, yeah, definitely not like an uplifting type of episode, but one that I think has a lot of value to it. Um, for those of you that don't know, I had uh, my second, no, my third retake that I ever owned uh, was a 25% Kaltoa, 25% Madu, so 50% Superdorf, a melanistic albino. His name was Dwigd. Um, people know him. Oh, as I thought D- it was Dwight. It's, it's Dwight, so if anybody watches The Office, um, there's an episode where uh, Michael Scott writes a script, like a manuscript of a movie, and um, he was writing the uh, characters that he worked with in the movie, and then replaced them all with other names, and there was like a stupid assistant that was a robot in the movie, that was his assistant Dwight, but he misspelled it as Dwight, so it didn't autocorrect. And so there was one Dwight left in the script. Oh. So his name is Dwight. Um, but um, yeah. So, I still uh, remember
0: when you got that snake. Like, I, I remember the excitement you had for him. Like, I, I didn't fully understand AML at the time and like just your your passion with him. Like, oh, that you, yeah. That, that was
1: you, on Reach Out Red Patreon.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I, I remember it pretty well. So, like, it, it sucks. Yeah. It
1: sucks, man. He died. Um, and, uh, yeah, I bought him originally like without any, like, uh, like super big breeding plans. He was kind of just like, I I love Amal. Um, and he also had Madu in him, which is not very common for Amals. You know, I think Jackie B is the only one or was the only one working with them. Um, and, uh. Yeah, so uh, he was kind of like a pet. And to be honest, and I don't say this just because, you know, he died and I'm trying to be sincere or anything, but he had the coolest personality. It was easily my most like if I could take any snake in my garage to a educational show, he probably would have been it. But um, he died. And um, so I ended up having to put him down. Like I made the decision to uh, take him to a vet and get him put down after several vet appointment treatments and uh so today's episode is going to be kind of a little bit about like what what like when is it the right time to do that how do we ethically do that what are like unethical ways to do that um and just kind of talk about that that aspect of it but um have you have you ever
0: well i mean i've of course i've had to like put an animal down but i mean when we think of that we're i mean our our general thought goes to you know typical house pets right you know Mm -hmm. dogs cats uh but it doesn't get talked enough in this industry how to go about it with your reptile i mean uh, of course we did an episode on how to find a reliable uh reptile vet but i mean this also kind of plays into that
1: yeah um yeah and i just let me like preface and talk about like just veterinary care with your, your snakes in general, this isn't just about reticulated pythons. Just this just happened to be about my retic, but this is, this goes across the board. Um, veterinary care is important. And, um, even for those of you that have been keeping for, you know, 20, 30 years, there's, there's definitely going to be a time where you don't know what to do and you, you need to have access to veterinary care. Um, and uh as a matter of fact i think we talked about doing this episode with a vet like talking about veterinary care and all that stuff with retics um but let me just highlight kind of the importance of like having that kind of in play before you have your animal or if you get an animal locating one right away because you know you you would like to think that nothing bad is going to happen to your animal but sometimes shit happens um and uh it, it's super important to to have and not do it on your your own if it's something that is you know outside of maybe a a, a wedged tooth or yeah you know th- there's there's Stuck certain
0: shed. Yeah. right I mean th- there's multiple things that you can kind of home
1: remedy I mean I the biggest home remedy for retics is like literally feed them a big meal right. <laughs> Like that, I'm serious. Like I've yeah. I've had some snakes that have caused like injuries, or I've done this, or I've done that, and um, you give the them a big The only other meal, thing
0: I can think of is like inverted hemipenes, like right. The few right. ways you can go about treating something like that, but or
1: or like a prolapse. Right, I, I had a yeah. female here that had like a little tiny prolapse. It wasn't anything massive. It was literally maybe like a centimeter and a half that was sticking out. Put her in sugar water. Um, it, it went back in a little bit, you know, you use neos uh, like a a neosporing and mineral oil and you, you kind of push it back in, you hold off on the feeding and was able to do that well, but like it, it that would have gotten any more chronic or any more intense where there was a lot more coming out, like a vet would have been absolutely necessary. Um. So yeah, just a little disclaimer like vet care is super important with this um with with keeping any reptile and the reason why I mean any animal but the reason why I'm emphasizing reptiles is because it's not easy to find an exotic vet for a lot of people.
0: So so we're talking about Dwight or Dwight, sorry, let me uh, correct myself. You could uh, say
1: you could say Dwight.
0: And <laughs> I'm going to try to keep keep his name sacred. Uh but I uh, <laughs> we we've talked about you know you coming to the decision of having to put him down let's kind of talk about you know just w- what was going on with Dwight or Dwight Dwight Dwight
1: okay. Dwight. Dwight um okay. Dwight um but um yeah so uh probably about like 15 months ago um I out of the blue out of nowhere I took him out of his enclosure and I realized when I put him in a soaking tub that he had some lumps on his upper third of his body. So like there was one just below the neck that was a lump. There was one on the other side that was kind of a longer lump. Um, and that was weird, right? Like I was like, oh, what What the heck happened? Um, and so I decided to... Um, you didn't decide to play Dr. Pimple Popper. No, I didn't decide to do that. But, but what I did do was... You know, my my good old, what has worked for a lot of things is fed him a big meal, uh, put him into a shed. He shed. And when he shed, it went away. And I was like, okay. And it went away for about four weeks. Um, but then it came back. And when it came back, it was like just one side of his upper third was really swollen. Like almost the entire upper third of his body was just like sticking out big time. um, And that's when it got like alarming. Uh, and I was like, okay time to make a vet appointment. Um, now, granted um, in my collection, I've never had a case of the worst thing I've ever had in my collection is a uh, is mites. Uh, I, I've never had a respiratory infection in my collection. I've, I've never had uh, anything that that would th- this is the first snake and it happened you know, a year ago where I took him to the vet for the first time that I actually had to take one of my snakes to the vet. So I've been very lucky over five and a half years of keeping and I've only had to take one snake. But, Mm -hmm. um, so I took him to the vet and I was thinking like, okay, let's see what these lumps happen. Like when I would feel the lumps, by the way, they were, uh, they didn't feel fluid like, but they weren't rock hard either. Um, and so the very first thing that the vet did was, um, stuck a needle inside one of the lumps um to see if like and and pulled it out um and no fluid came out like no no blood even came out um and uh so he's like okay well it's not an abscess like it's not pus there's no fluid coming out and so he did a cellular culture so basically he put in a needle he drew back he got some of the blood cells um extracted he looked at it under the microscope and he said everything looks normal um and so by the way, the vet at the time or the vet that I have, Dr. Coke, he's probably one of the best exotic vets in the country. He's a vet for the San Antonio zoo here. He has over 15 years experience working with, um, large constrictors. And on top of that, there's a very well-known vet that's on Instagram that she's based out of Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but she's super popular on social media. Um, I mean, he even was her, you know, the, the, the mentor for her and like getting her license and all that. Um, so super qualified. This wasn't like a, a, a crappy vet. So he's like, I've never seen this before. He said, since it's got away before he's like, have you switched beddings? What kind of cleaners do you use all that stuff? And the very first step of action was just like, get him back on paper. Cause I had switched to Aspen, mm-hmm. get him back on paper. Like basically he was trying to see if there was any allergic reaction because he was eating normal, didn't have a respiratory infection, Everything was fine besides these bumps coming and going. So he went through another shed cycle and they went away and they ended up coming back. So took him back to the vet. And this time we ran some blood. We did a viral testing, uh, full viral testing. Can I Um, ask
0: how uncomfortable he seemed during these times when these flare-ups would happen?
1: When the flare-ups would happen early on, it really wasn't too bad. It wasn't until towards like this, the last like four to six months where um, I hated getting him out or I hated giving him a a antibiotic.
0: And we were just talking Um, about how he was the animal that potentially would be. Yeah. Super social. Like, yeah, the, the animal you would take around kids and handle with them.
1: Yeah. Um, And uh, so, yeah, he, it wasn't until the end, but like pretty standard, like nothing, he didn't seem like he was uncomfortable and, uh, was acting normal, eating normal, shedding normal, pooping normal. Everything was normal besides his lumps would come and go. But the second time around, we did a, a blood panel. And um, the blood showed that his uh, white blood cell count was high, which is indicative of an infection. And so they prescribed uh, a round of 10 antibiotics of... Man, I'm gonna forget. It's the antibiotic that you can that you're you're supposed to keep in the freezer. Someone is probably gonna drop it down in the comments. Oh
0: yeah. I, I even like kind of I, I wanted to take a stab at it, but I'm not going to, just at risk of being wrong.
1: Right. Exactly. So can't think of it off the top of my head, but um so he did that. Um and uh it went well. Like by injection five, all lumps were gone, never came back. Uh, for the rest of the the treatment round. And um, they, about 10 days after his last injection, they came back. And they came back pretty intense. Like, at that point, I was like, That's whoa. That's
0: pretty rapid.
1: Right, like 10 days after. And I was like, whoa, this is... Like, 10 days after the antibiotic round, it was the worst at that time that I had seen it. And I was like, this is weird. Um, so set up another vet appointment and we did another viral testing just to be sure. Um, and we did really intensive blood work like liver functioning, um, any fungal, um, there's a a fungal. Did you ever do
0: any, uh, fecal samples?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the last things and there's no parasites. Um, and, uh, so, no parasites, and they also tested for that one virus. Again, I'm not a virologist, but there's a virus that you test through fecal. Um, so ba- basically, any virus that's out there, um, we test it for. And then mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we did the fungal blood work. We did uh, a specific like uh, infection blood work, um, and nothing was coming up. And again, this top tier vet and me and another vet exotic vet that worked there were just all like at this point he brought in the other vet who, again, he kind of like supervised through. Um, and we just didn't know. Um, and at this point I was well over $2,000 in Mm -hmm. with all the different exams and everything that we had done. Um, I was changing up his feeding by the way. He, you know, rats, uh, uh, birds, Pigs, rabbits. I was trying to see if he just was building a sensitivity to a certain type of food.
0: I don't know. Throwing everything at him. No, I get that. I I was going to bring this up later, but just kind of in the stuff you were mentioning, I feel like it's appropriate now. uh, Are are you going to get a necropsy done with the same vet? Because I feel like this could be uh, as valuable for the vet in the long run as it is. So, for, um, you know, the, the community as a whole, maybe the veterinary community.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll in get terms back
0: to retake care.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to that. Um, mm-hmm. because I want to, that, that's going to play a part in what I'm about to say. And I'll, I'll speak Yeah. That's that.
0: why I wanted to hold it for later, but I was like, ah, it's, I mean,
1: it's, like, it's, it's a good question. Um, yeah. but we're almost at the end of the story here. Um, uh, so at, at that point, um, the vets looked at me and they're like, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna, it it seemed like the antibiotics worked really well, but maybe we didn't do them long enough. And some infections might take a little bit longer. Um, hell I was on my antibiotics for the better part of a year before
0: I was cleared for surgery. So yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me.
1: Right. So they're like, okay, this worked. So we'll do it again. But instead of for 10 injections, we'll do it for 20 injections every three days. So that, that is a, um, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a math person, but I think that's 2 months worth of injections. Um and uh this this is getting more recent. Um and again, every blood panel, every viral panel, bacterial panel, nothing was standing out and coming up. Um only that his white blood cells were high, indicating that he had some form of infection. Um
0: yeah, he's fighting something.
1: He's fighting something. And so um you know, I had him in a, a large ARS rack at the time. I switched him over to a five foot enclosure, um, you know, changed beddings a bunch of times, put him back in the rack, like, did everything I could to try to see if there was anything in the husbandry aspect that I was doing that was screwing him over. Um, but nothing seemed to really make a difference. So uh, I'm going through the injection rounds and I'm noticing really no improvement. Like they would come and they would go like they used to, but it was during like his sixth injection. No seventh injection that I looked at him and it was one of the, it was probably the worst at the time that I'd ever seen him. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. This is the seventh out of 20 injections. He should at least slowly be improving at this point And he looks worse than he ever has. So hmm. I called the vet, let them know. They said, kind of continue with treatment. Um, And so now we are on injection. I've done 10 injections Um, and on the 11th injection, and this happened, I mean, from the time that we're recording, I don't know, by the time that this releases, like less than two weeks from when you guys are hearing this, um, I went to go give him his 11th injection and I looked at him and it was the worst I had seen him. And throughout this entire process of giving him these injections, his discomfort, like, dramatically, like, increased. Restraining him to give him an injection was a nightmare. Um, getting him out, even to put him in a tub to clean his enclosure, nightmare. And not that he was an asshole or anything, but just, like, just barely touching him. He would flinch and thrash. He, he was, was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I'm not a, not a snake psychologist. So, you know, pain is probably the right word, but the way that I can at least accurately describe it, he was clearly uncomfortable. You spend enough
0: time with your animals. Doesn't matter what it is. You're going to, you're going to notice when that time comes. Yeah. I mean, I know all of us that have had dogs, you know, that last to an old age and just die of natural causes or, you know, are getting close to the point of being put down there's just comes a time where it's just you're keeping the animal alive more for your comfort than their comfort
1: right um and i was just hoping that like at one point during this round of antibiotics i would see the improvement that i saw in the first round um yeah but when i opened that tub up on that sunday um or i opened up the rack um large ars rack by the way it's five feet long so i'm not keeping a, a four and a half year old retake and a you know fb 70 um in case anyone tries to come at me um, you, you
0: keep my tiny hatchling that can fit in the palm of your hand in a giant ars <laughs> huge tub that's meant for adult boas right. in a naturalistic enclosure so i'm you, just yeah. just
1: saying dude there's, we can there's, silence that right now there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there but anyways um and i opened it up and i looked at him going to give him the injection and i i tapped him with the hook and then i tried just picking him up because he at this point the lumps were they were starting to even look red on the bottom side of his belly the scales were kind of just like flared up you can tell that it just it never looked that bad before um and so um that's when I, and, and I had already been thinking prior to this, like I had it in my mind. I was like, if he doesn't make improvement by like injection 15, I gotta, I gotta put him down. And when I saw him like that, I decided on Monday to no, it was on Monday. And then I decided that next day on Tuesday to call and ask him if I could uh, come in on Friday and drop him off to put him down. Now, keep the vets gave me some other recommendations. Um, they, they said the next thing we would do is a CT scan and uh, echocardiogram. Liver functioning looked normal. According to all the other blood work and everything that we did, everything looked fine. So now we're starting to get into scanning and stuff. And I just want to give you guys just a little aspect of this. At the time that I called to want to put him down, I was already I had spent $2,500 on him, uh, on, on vet bills and the medicine and spent a lot of freaking money. Um and yeah, I'm a breeder and, you know, you can make the case of like, oh, that's just one snake. But at the end of the day, you know, spending that much money on vets, it's it's not a business expense that, you know, a lot of people keep in the bank to, to account for, especially someone who's new and still trying to pay off a garage renovation, right? Um, yeah, and I, so,
0: I, I mean, I, I can make it happen and I can pay off those vet bills, but it's not going to be an immediate thing that I already just, you know, right. Have Exactly. The money set aside for
1: exactly. Um, and so I, I took him in on Friday to get him put down and, um, the, 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 can we talk
0: I, a little bit? Uh, I know you're going to talk about it, but no, 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 no. I just, I, I want you to go into detail about the process of, you know, everyone's, you know, most people have gone through the process of putting one of their mammals like the dog or cat down. So I want to have you go through what everything was like technically as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and, uh, let me, let me answer real quick on the necropsy thing and the reason why. So I didn't end up doing it. Um, and the reason why is because when I asked them for a quote and a price, I thought about it before and asked for a quote and a price, it was a lot of money. Um, and then I also was going to have him put down at the vet, which cost money as well. And again, this was a lot of money and, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure I'll probably regret not getting the necropsy done. Um, but, uh, um, do you mind sharing the number, uh, for the necropsy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to be like, uh, it was like a, a, like just barely under four figures. So like, I think it was eight something. Okay. Um, and then it was another 300 to get him put down and, uh, cremated, um, Right, like I have two options with getting him put down. They're like, "Yeah, you can put him down, and then we give him back to you, or you put him down and we cremate him for you." And I was like, "Well, I don't want a fucking, I don't want a dead snake, especially like my pet that I love. Like, I don't want to carry a bag home, and what am I gonna do with it?" Um, yeah, so I mean,
0: having a having a hatchling that doesn't make it out of the egg in your freezer, and then
1: right, like
0: something you've raised for that long, yeah, I, there's there's. A lot of emotional attachment there for
1: sure, and not only that, but also like you know, a hatchling in a freezer is, you know, takes up a tiny spot. You know, an eight and a half nine foot snake
0: in a freezer that's going to lead into another conversation. Just the freezer alone,
1: right? Exactly. Um. So. So I decided not to do the necropsy, and and I know a lot of listeners are going to be like, "Well, you should have," and you know I should have, but at that point, like, I, I want you guys to know that, like let me get into a little bit about Nathan's comment and what he wants me to go into, like the decision to put him down. Um, and there's probably going to be a lot of like long, I mean, maybe not a lot, maybe I'm kind of overestimating how many people listen to us, but, um, there's people that have been doing this a long time and, and they see their animals as business investments and, you know, animals do die, right? Like that's part of keeping and breeding, especially if you have a large number of snakes, you're going to have animals die. Um, But when, when I decided at that point to not do the necropsy and on top of that, the, the putting him down at the vet, instead of just sticking him in the freezer, um, it was more of like a, at that point, you know, it was obviously like an emotional decision to actually have to decide to do that. Because again, I had, I had, I had 10 more injections to give him and I kept holding on to hope that he would get better. And I, I was, you know, I asked the vet, like, hey, can we increase the dosage? He's like, he's kind of on the max dose for his weight and size for that long of a period. We don't want to, we don't want to hurt his kidneys. We don't want to do anything that might exacerbate or make anything worse. Um, so I'm like, okay, so this is the dose that we can go to. And he's like, yeah. So I, I even fought from that aspect, I was like, can we, can we increase the dose? Maybe it'll help. Um, can we shorten the length to see if the increase helps like i I, and um they they felt confident on keeping it where it's at for the length of time um and i don't know man i just like it's one of those things where uh it's absolutely like a lot of people say like oh it's like i i made a post about him and i want to thank everyone who like reached out had -hmm. your sentiments in your words like that that meant a lot um yes i cried during that day um just kind of reading through some of that um and for a lot of like breeders who've been doing this for a while this is probably gonna sound to them like oh that's stupid you're breeding snakes you probably no." but again like i got this dude as a pet this guy had uh he was not a snake i wanted to lose um no snake i want to lose but like definitely not him um so but a lot of people are saying like, Hey, it's a tough decision. And a lot of people are saying that, but I'm going to be honest, like that, that day that I saw him and I, I didn't even give him his injection that day because I made that decision on a dime where I was like, it so it really wasn't that hard of a decision. Like I looked at him and I was like, I have to, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. he looked miserable. He didn't even want me to touch him and, and this was his second round of antibiotics. So at this point, he's had 20 injections total. And there were times where I'd give him his injection, he wouldn't even put up a fight because he like he knew the drill. Um, and this is the time where like I I tapped him with the hook and just like bucked me. And I knew he's not gonna bite me. So I went to go pick him up and he just really quickly ran away from lean. Like it was just it was very different. Um and it was an easy decision. I was like, I'm gonna do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason why I decided not to do the CT scan and anything else is because I made, it's a really fine balance when you have a business breeding these animals, but you also love them to death. But from a business perspective, um, hopefully this doesn't sound too terrible, but from business perspective, I spent 950 on the snake. I'm already $2,500 deep in, in vet bills. Uh, echocardiogram would have been another $850. Um, a CT scan would have been an additional $1,000. They wanted to do that at the same time to rule out two things. So we're, we're talking about a lot of money. Um, and uh, I just, I, at that point, um, that was going to take a lot more money. Again, that's the business side talking. But then again, that's a lot more time that he was miserable. And so I just, All i right, that's,
0: that's the ultimate thing to me. Like if it, if he were not uncomfortable, it was just superficial lumps and you know, he wasn't acting out in pain. Then that's one thing is acting right. out in pain. Like it's, that's where it becomes that easy decision. Yeah. And it, it, I don't think in the end of the day, your ultimate motivation was based on the amount of money that you spent on him.
1: No, not, no, not at all. And I, I mean, it, it played a portion. So like when they told me when I paid for the second round of antibiotics and they told me what the next steps would be, if this was not effective, that was going through my mind business wise at the time, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go this far into it. Um, but the decision to have him euthanized um, was an easy decision because I, I put him first over me. And I guess, I guess that's one thing, like if we're going to teach anything about this and we're going to talk about like what it takes to kind of come to this decision is a lot of times we get caught up in our emotional aspect in our attachment to these animals. And that's very easy to do. And it's not wrong of you guys to do that. It's totally okay for you guys to do that because if you love your animal, you love your animal. It goes for a dog, cat, reptile. doesn't matter. Um, and you don't want to see them dead. Um, but fortunately for me, and I mean, again, I, I'm a therapist in my my day job, um, and I don't even know how healthy of this mentally. There's a, a a switch that I guess I was able to to, you know, turn on and off. And um, I made it about him from the get go instead of worrying about me. And I I knew that if I made it about him and I had to put him down, that the I would then make it about me afterwards, right? Like the, you know, mourning, grieving process, all that stuff. Um, And if you guys don't think grief or mourning happens with animals or pets, like it absolutely does. I'm sure anybody listening who's lost an animal that they loved, um, it it sucks.
0: Yeah, man, it sucks to have to even relive this.
1: Yeah, I mean, talking about it is hard, um, but it's... Yeah. I mean, I think where we're getting into the episode is important. It's like, when do we make that decision and how do we do it in an ethical manner? Like, and I think that's like, again, when it comes to how I made that decision is I put his needs and wants before mine. I wanted him alive. I could have kept him alive longer. And, but, but I put his needs before mine. So I guess that's step one and like what you need to do when it comes to making that decision is, is, put their needs before yours. Um, and snakes don't really tell us what their needs are, right. They're snakes. Um, and I mean, at, at that point, like, uh, but, but I mean, you, you care for these
0: animals well enough and you, you can tell when it's that time. I, I mean, we've kind of beat that dead horse a little bit, but I mean, y-
1: Was that pun intended? Because that was a good one if it was.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. We
1: beat that dead snake with a...
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Oh, God, dig yourself out of this hole.
1: (laughs) Comedic relief, dude. I told you I got punched. No,
0: no. But I mean, like, yeah, it's a snake. Yeah, it's a reptile. But ultimately, you you know this animal and you know what's best for the animal, especially when it comes to just comfort. So, but, but that's I, I, but that's bullshit. I'm, but
1: that but that's bullshit too. Like, yeah, it's a snake and it's a re- No, I mean, I, no, I mean, that's
0: what I, I mean. I kind of said it's bullshit.
1: Yeah, like exactly. Like I just, it's it's not just a snake. Like I mean, all all of you guys are listening to us. We're all weird. We like snakes, um, and uh, we like reptiles. Right? Where majority of the people look at us and we're weird. But you know, my my snakes are no different than than you know my cats and my dogs when it comes to those that. You know, I just, I'm an animal lover. Like I literally, I'll see a squirrel outside and my my eyes light up. And
0: we're, I mean, if you're in this, if you love snakes, if you love retics, you ultimately have a big heart because we're loving the animals that ultimately the bulk of the population can't stand to be around. I, right. you know so sorry to cut you off go ahead i never do this on pod. i don't even remember what i was gonna say but (laughs) i never do this on podcast but this one's for you dwight
1: dwight there you go oh dude you you never do this live that's awesome i appreciate that i'm sure he does too um you know dwight's personality if he was a human he totally would fucking hit a rig um but now let's get into the portion of like how to ethically euthanize your animal that you need to. Um, and this is a tough conversation. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. That's the one part that I asked about that. I, I, like, I I'm pretty sure I have an idea of how it's the procedures technically done, but I, I would love to hear.
1: No. So actually I didn't even ask. Um, oh, oh, you didn't get to be in the room for it. I had to go to work, man. I, I, oh, so being a therapist, that's my, awful. yeah, my schedule is full and, um, you know, you see, and this is whether you believe in the universe or you believe in God, whatever the case may be, I believe in God, I'm a Christian. Um, I, I really think that that was a day, like I had a full schedule of six clients and, um, I had cancellations and no show. I only had to see one client <laughs> that day. Um, and it happened to be a client that, that, um, you know, is was a, a, a teenager that was, you know, it's a client that I really, really enjoy seeing. So, um that, that was really relieving. Like it allowed me to get to work, um, to sit down, breathe. I had some tears. I, I got to kind of bake my posts for him. Um, and, uh, read people, you know, sending me console. like I got time and, um, even on my drive home, I got some more time. And later that evening, Sean came over to help me clean the snakes and we got to talk about Dwight a little bit like it, it, it ended up being i think really healthy healthy for my process of of kind of grief to it it worked out um but yeah I didn't get to be in in the room for it um but when I when I put him in his uh when I put him in the tote to take him over to the vet I kind of sat down on the floor with him and Pet him a couple times, even though he was kind of bucking me and didn't want to be touched. But, um, yeah, so that, that was, that was that process for him. But, um, so what, what I looked up online is they typically use a gas to make them go to sleep and then they give them, it's, it's the same process for dogs and cats usually
0: like a, but don't they do a face mask? For, um
1: they they i mean they yeah they might have I, I don't know how else they would administer gas but i would assume that it's probably a tube that I mean, goes into e- their it's
0: either it's either that or just like injection like you get with a dog just a quick
1: right anyone else know let us you know drop it in the comments if you've been able to watch that before but well and so, if you
0: are a reptile vet that happens upon this episode or you know you have a reptile vet that you think maybe. Interested in talking about topics like this? Uh, send oh. them our way.
1: Arlington, we might be able to. I'm gonna look up See, her name because we, we've we've pretty much
0: talked about all the sadness. I feel like we should
1: kind of jump back to Arlington a little bit. I mean, wait, let's talk about. I, I feel like it's important to talk about like the the ethics of like euthanizing an animal because I, there are people out there that are sticking temperate oh, snakes and oh, freezers. Oh no, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> yep, like that. Yep, I feel like no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> You, okay. You, you're you right. You're right. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to look up right now in terms of, of the vet that I'm talking about. Um, she's who I'd love to have on, but, um, anyways, uh, yeah, so, um, for those of you that don't know, um, th- there's a like the, the most common way that people put their snakes down, whether it's hatchling or whether it's, uh, you know, even full grown adults. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but like you look at the slither files in the very first golden child that was ever imported into the U.S. Um, was was.
0: Slayer put- golden child.
1: Yes. Yeah, good old Slayer golden child uh, was was put in was stuck in a freezer because he was unmanageable by by Slither Inc. Um, and uh, the the picture that I'm referring to demonstrated no, the no health issues. No, no health issues. Just literally because, like, I this snake is a nightmare, and no one else can keep him. If I can't keep him, typical Samson thought. And yeah, this um, is,
0: this is not a topic that I I love. No, I don't revisiting. Either, but... but yeah, like that's what this 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 is one of the things that bugs me the most about that whole situation. That animal
1: was healthy, healthy. It was fine. Well, I mean, well, okay. Well, who knows? It's yeah, Samson's yeah. place, but um, yeah. Healthy
0: is a stretch. I I will admit it, it was, it was put down it,
1: because of its behavior. It let's just say have that
0: any, yeah, it didn't have any visible diseases. Let's say that.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, there was a picture of that snake after it was frozen in the garbage bag that they opened up and took a picture of. And the, the snake was literally looking like it was lunging out mouth open, like doing its absolute best to fight for its life to try to get out. And for, for those of you that don't know what happens to snakes, like a lot of people think like, Oh, they're cold blooded. So they what, just, lo- what are we
0: told happens to snakes Lucas when we put them in the freezer? Cause I've, I've been told a couple things.
1: So what, what I am. So what essentially happens is the, the, their, their blood and the fluids in their body start to crystallize. And no, they... I don't want to talk about the scientific.
0: I want to talk about what you've been told by other people in the industry.
1: Oh, that they, they go to sleep. They go to sleep. Yeah, they, they go to sleep. Oh,
0: they're 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 cold-blooded creatures, so they just slow down and they, they just they, they go to sleep. They're just fine.
1: Right. And that, that's not what happens. What happens is that the, the fluid and the blood in their body crystallizes, and when they crystallize is it, it's like they're they're feeling these cracks that are happening. It's it's a painful process. Um what happens when we get too cold? We shiver.
0: We shiver. Our body yeah. tries to compensate for that right to fight it. So what makes us think the opposite wouldn't happen in a cold-blooded creature? Right, exactly it's,
1: it's, and and what what's cool about cold-blooded animals is that they actually they, they don't have the ability to so like for us as warm-blooded humans creatures, we, we have the ability to cool ourselves down by means of sweating and all these other things. But cold-blooded creatures have the, the ability fever. to warm themselves up. Um, yeah, the,
0: fever, the, the fever sweats like we have ways right. to regulate.
1: Yeah. Um, cold-blooded animals do the opposite. So it's literally fighting to try to shoot its body temperature up. And it's obviously not going to win. Um, but nonetheless, super painful process. So is that ethical?
0: I don't think we even need to answer that, but rhetorically, yes. Or no? no right? No, no, and, no. And, 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 is that ethical? No, 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 no. It is not ethical. Um, Bite my tongue. So dig, is, dig out of another hole. <laughs> Jeez. Is speaking, that ethical? Speaking too, speaking too fast. I need to think, Use Lucas,
1: a little bit. Uh, so you know, and, and then so, and, and I'm not talking about like freezing hatchlings or whatever the case may be like that's a whole different discussion that requires a whole different episode because there's a lot of layers in regards to like ethics and morals and like what what's worse um but but regardless um that was not an option for me was to put him in a freezer uh because i know the reality of what happens when you put a a snake in the freezer and so um, yeah
0: yeah i mean i i would rather no, an animal's perished. Uh, I'll, I'll get into something that happened to me this year. I, I had, you know, I think three or four babies that just wouldn't eat on their own. Um, so made sure it wasn't a digestion issue, worked out any, you know, remnants of the yolk. And the ones that hadn't eaten, I decided to try to assist feed. Uh, two of them took to it super well. And then one, um, just didn't and died during a cyst feeding. Um, and I could kind of tell it was, it was about to happen, but did everything I could to try to intervene in the situation. Um, yeah. And even when I knew it was time, like I had to know for damn sure that that snake had nothing left in it before I put it in the freezer just for any any peace of mind knowing that that animal didn't go into the freezer alive and having to suffer more
1: right and like outside of the freezer there's like a a more humane way that like if you want to do it yourself you can Uh, which is like the faster
0: way i think it's harder on the keeper for sure it's uh, in terms of how fast it's over for the animal yes it's
1: oh i wasn't even talking about that yet but oh, okay. i i could not do that i know yeah, people I, that i know so we're we're referring to the two-step method of of you know your your i forget what the process is called but basically where you're uh sticking a needle into your head and then you're driving python scramble yeah um scrambling um but that that was 1000 percent not not like not an option um and uh, I, I I'll admit that there's a third option that I was googling and looking into, which is basically like a CO2 chamber that people use for the rodents to put them down. Um, and I was looking into that and the supplies needed. Um, and the conclusion that I came to is that, uh, if you don't do it correctly, you choke and suffocate your snake. And I was not about to do that for the first time. With my snake that I, you know, I obviously was, was not just like a a fiscal financial breeder type of point of view with this animal. Like I, I, I kept asking myself, like, what, what if he did choke and die? And I didn't know because he was in a chamber and I couldn't see him. And like, what, what if it wasn't just like him going to sleep and then dying and I I didn't want to live with that. Um, So yeah, I spent the money and I took them to the vet. And at the end of the day, I definitely think that that's the most. Uh, ethical, humane way and yeah, it costs money, but. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just not at the point and I, and I, I don't think I'll ever reach that point um, to where I I want to put an adult snake in a freezer or, i'd rather have my conscience clean and i still care for the well-being of the animal right which is why i made the decision to put him down
0: yeah it it sucks uh this is this is the first year i've lost an animal in terms of reptiles well i guess
1: i guess not for me but
0: i mean it's all it's all hatchling stuff which you know of course that's higher risk and it, part of it the game co- kind of. yeah part of the game yeah you have to be ready for it and I always knew it was a possibility and not even a possibility but a, a guarantee um when you breed animals you're gonna have losses for sure um and you know even even in those times I was really trying to do my best to make sure that you know everything was as humane as possible and you know, it's hard, it's as hard on the animals as it is the keeper.
1: Yeah. And, um, so so that's kind of that process. And really when it comes down to it and and the ethics of it is, um, uh, just, just put the animal first. Like I'm sure that's why all of us get into these animals because we love them. Um, and so, the day that they die, still love them in that way, right? Like don't, don't lose sight of that um because you start producing and breeding and have uh you know clutches not working out for you and you're in business debt or whatever the case may be that that drives people to the the easy route. Um e- even I will say this it cost me $320 to euthanize cremate and get like the little clay memorial and the, the, the little ashes. Like I'm going to have his ashes and I'll have a, a a clay printing of his, his head. Um, and that still was only $300. Right. So I I feel like, I feel like number one, if you have snakes dying, like so much that that's going to be a major business expense for you, then that's a whole different discussion that we need to have. But you know, if you're having snakes die seldomly or, or, whatever the case may be that it's not happening often. Like that's not a lot of money to, to make sure that it's done ethically safely and, and, and respectfully and,
0: um, well, you know, and, that... and yeah, like you said, I mean, this is one of, you know, a, a couple dozen animals that you have that, you know, has made it to an adulthood that has had any issues uh, like this. So, I yeah, mean, the, you, that, I that mean, was you didn't have. One. You did no. Well, I mean, you did have the egg-bound girl for a minute there. Um, that was sent to you with eggs.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to take her to. Yeah, she was sent to but me that, gravid. I mean, and, yeah, that's just. But but that was that was a quick vet visit. The vet was like, "Oh, let me put my finger up her cloaca," and I was like, "That's pretty invasive." Um, I'm holding <laughs> one. I'm holding. Did she I'm consent? Holding, no, I, don't, it, I mean, to be honest, she actually was pretty calm during that process, but um, it was a very quick, like, and again, just kudos to Dr. Kogi's phenomenal, but literally took him less than like 20 seconds to stick his finger up there, find the,
0: didn't even have to, uh, no
1: surgery. No, I mean, so we, we palpated and we took some x-rays, right. And he felt it and he's like, yeah, this is the only one. And then just literally shoved his finger up of her massage through and just worked it out. And it literally was like. The moment that his finger entered her cloaca, it took like 15 seconds. Hmm. Um, and that was that, right? He was like, hey, keep her on paper. Don't put her on bedding and just watch her. If you see like pink discharge, like come bring her back. She might be getting an infection. But if you keep her enclosure clean, she should be good. And she was good. Um,
0: Yeah, that's the only instance I can think of in terms of any other adult animals that you've had.
1: Yeah, I've never. I, I, so she was the very first and only snake I've had to take to the vet. And then, you know, Dwight's whole process was, was my second experience. But, um, the the biggest thing that really sucks about this whole thing would, would see, even I said, Dwight, um,
0: I I was about to call you out, but I was like, it's, it's his time of grief. I'm not,
1: no. So I, his name is Dwight, but so many people I've called him Dwight. I, I say it naturally. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the worst part about this was, again, that this was a snake that was awesome to chill with, awesome to handle. Um, Jennifer of Mod Exotics, Phil uh, of, Cole, uh, what is it, Thompson Coldblooded, blooded uh, uh, Jordan, or Joey, Carpenter, is not keeping snakes anymore, but they got to come over and they got to hold him. And they 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 can attest to, you know, they held Makaiwadi, the Wildcock Kalatoa, they held probably a dozen or, or close to a dozen snakes that day. And every single one of them were just obsessed with Dwight. Um, and the worst part about this and the part that really like hit me the most that sucked was just the fact that um, his last 15 months that I got to, to spend with him was me being terrified that he had something that would spread to my collection. And even after all the viral negative you know, in, in the, the bacterial negative and stuff, I was still just not willing to risk that. And yeah, 15 months of just minimal interaction putting him in a tub, cleaning the enclosure. Um, that's the worst part of it is that I didn't actually get to enjoy him for over not, I mean, I still enjoyed the time that I had with him, but, but not how I used to with him. Um, I, I handle my animals, even when I'm busy as hell, I take the time to do that. Um, and I, I did not get to do that with him because I was just too scared that it, it was going to impact other animals. So, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the worst part of it all other than him, you know, not being alive right now, but, but yeah, yeah
0: on, on the behalf of, you know, me, you know, the general, uh, retick community i know our discord too we're we're super sorry for your loss man
1: yeah yeah and I, I appreciate you and everyone that that reached out and said something um and uh yeah i mean people you know even texted me messaged me commented on the post whatever the case may be um you know even some of the bigger mainland people you know had something to say i think that a well, lot you of people had, read... you had big plans for them. yeah i mean Again, he started off as a pet with no big plans, but yeah, I was going to work with, uh, I was going to call them snowmels. I was going to do a AML mm-hmm. snow project and motley amel snows. I
0: remember the passion when you were talking about those eyes.
1: I was, yeah, I, I was hoping to create, you know, those AML red Ruby eyes with the the silver eyes, like a really crazy. I was hoping what would be like really pink bright eyes, whatever the hell it would have been, but I would think like almost peachy, like almost like ashy peachy. Right. Right. Um, And uh, so, yeah, definitely don't get to, to see that out through. I was super excited about that. Once the brain kind of clicked and, you know, I started getting into kind of breeder mode and, and uh, seeing what I could do with the animals I had bought prior to me, you know, even having, having an idea that I was going to breed, but um, yeah, that, that, it's a bummer not being able to, to pursue that, but, but definitely doesn't compare to losing him. But, um, but yeah, anyways, thank you to everyone who did reach out. Even some of the bigger mainland people were reaching out to me. And I, and what I was saying was, I think that, um, I, I think a lot of people that have lost snakes that they've loved and have had to go through that. It's just something that you don't like. And so you automatically feel for someone who has to go through it as well. Yeah. Um so Arlington. Yeah. Uh
0: second one. First time doing the podcast in person. It'll it'll be interesting. Uh yeah. I, I'm I'm excited for it, man. I uh, always excited to see the people there. Always excited for the auction. Uh the auction's a
1: blast.
0: Third year as a breeder like you should you you I I'm I'm really excited like this is the first year I uh, I've been to any NARBC that like I just feel good about where I'm at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too and and you'll get the opportunity you'll sit at the VIP tech table with us.
0: I I i love Ryan. I mean, yeah. He he made uh, he was one of those people at my first NARBC that like just went above and beyond to make me feel Welcome into the community. I mean, first night, uh, I was there <laughs> with my uh, with my ex fiance, and uh, she's she's kind of like like to keep me to herself and not like to socialize outside. And uh, Ryan pulled us aside and you know made us talk for the night and got us pretty lit at the bar. And uh, you know he he just. He got us to talk until we couldn't hang anymore. We're like, "All right, we're too like right, too out of it. We have right. to go right. back." Yeah. So like yeah, he he was one of those people that just like made this a hobby that I I continue to strive to just be better in
1: right and that he he has this like passion that's very infectious so shout out to ryan it's insane and to erica with VivTech, one of our sponsors um and uh,
0: and i i said like this is the year that like i feel like not totally out of place and he was one of those people just like bill like i mentioned at the start of the episode like he had seen what I did with the super dwarf project the first year. And he's like, no dude, you're like, you need to be pumped on that. You're doing some big shit. And I was just like, it didn't feel real to me. Like you're just... fucking right, Bill. <laughs> no, no, that was, that was Ryan that said that. And it was oh, just, okay. Like in drunken conversation, but like, it was just cool to get a little bit of reassurance again. And confidence some... boosts, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. not that I need anyone to stroke the ego, but like, it, you know, you, you like to think that you're not just doing something that's totally right. irrelevant when you breed your animals.
1: Yeah, and it's not to stroke the ego, it's it's to boost the confidence. And I mean, I haven't been doing this long enough for me to be confident. Like I I you know, if, you know, it, it does feel good when people acknowledge what you're doing and, and you're like, I don't know, am I doing something good? And people are like, Yeah, you are. It's like, okay, great. Um but but yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, even just spending time at, at Phil's place, hanging out. Um, this is my
0: first time at Bill's. I'm really excited for that. Um, oh, I said Phil. I, I know. Too, I, Phil. Well, Phil. No, Phil's. I. I mean, that Annery Goldenchild. If we do, <laughs> if we do this live at Phil's, you better believe that Annery Golden Goldenchild's is the star of the show.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And I, I'm gonna. I'll definitely be holding one of his snakes too. Maybe it's not the retake. Lounge. I mean, this is a retake lounge, but I'm we need to set it.
0: it up like a lounge, though. Since this is the first live episode, we we have to like aesthetically oh, we, we set it up like, you know, we, like almost like a cigar lounge or something like that.
1: We won't be able to do that if we do it at Arlington.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, the closest thing I've seen, and this is only for Patreon members, and this was a really early release, but you can go back in the archives and look for it. Uh, it was your fireside chat at the Arlington that I had to miss last year.
1: Yeah, with Ryan Adler. That, and it, that was Phil enough sleeping of a in the background. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> a, a, a group of people talking about the animals we love gathered around a central point, whether it be a coffee table, whether it be a fire. I just like it. It doesn't even have to be that hard.
1: And we were blasted like you should be at a lounge too. So uh,
0: <laughs> well, like I said about the hang at Arlington, it's uh, a. <laughs> world-class so
1: (laughs) it's it's good stuff but um if any of you that are listening are going to arlington drop it in the comments we'd love to meet you guys um i'm gonna bring the rest of the trl stickers i have here so come get them while yeah i'll grab
0: i'll grab the last of mine too because we need to update those relative yeah we do we need
1: to we need to get new stickers new shirts um and uh yeah, I, I definitely don't want to end this episode without giving a shout out to our Patreon members. For those of you that that uh, continue to support us through everything, we appreciate you. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Anything else that you got before we wrap up?
0: No, uh, this is coming out before Arlington. So please drop a comment if you're going to be there. Uh, I'm pretty confident that I'll be the only bald guy with a black arm there. So if you see me, come say hi.
1: There you go. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, hopefully on a down episode, there was something to take from this. um, And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, we will see you guys at Arlington. Bye.